When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Light the Tower, your daily look around the world of sports with Hall of Fame broadcaster and voice of the Texas Longhorns, Craig Way, and Horns 24-7 insider, Jeff Howe, on your live, local, and independent home for sports talk in Austin, The Horn. Hour two of Let the Tower rolls on here in Austin, Texas. Glad you can join us. Cameron Parker, Ty Henderson with Craig Way on the way to Coral Gables, Florida, where Texas will face off in the Miami, Florida region of the Texas base or the, the NCAA baseball postseason, excuse me. First game Friday against Louisiana, Maine and Miami also in that region. Jeff Fowle out with a doctor's appointment. So myself and Ty Taking over as we begin hour two, some cleanup on the Specs text line, 512-337-3776. What a cash grab for Kentucky, says one Specs texture. If you can't host, don't host. Imagine if we put teams up in Jester. Yeah, no, that that would never happen here, though, because this is you know this is the city we should be hosting if we didn't go to and queue. Uh, but that brings me to a question for you. What is your prediction for this weekend? Uh, I think I'm with Westcott. I don't. I don't think Texas makes it out of the regional. Mm. So do, I think doom I, and gloom, huh? Like he said, they're so hot and cold, though. I mean, they could. They yeah, could, I mean, they could win all three games. My, my my thought was okay. You know, maybe maybe it was just a, such a huge sigh of relief to sweep West Virginia that they got to Arlington and, and just maybe weren't focused, weren't locked in. I mean, Coach Pierce kind of talked about how if you if you are the co champion of a, of, a, of a power five championship you should already host maybe that kind of got in the back of their heads a little bit because obviously they came out flat I think they kind of they rebounded a little bit after in the Kansas game after the couple home runs were given up but then that grand slam I think really just wiped out Texas for game two I mean they they did not look invested at all in that second game so I'm hoping that maybe that's a wake-up call but also we thought the wake-up call was getting swept by Oklahoma so you know how many more wake-up calls can you have? You can't just keep pressing snooze forever. So, well, especially at this point in the season, this is put up or shut up time. And not being able, to, I think being able to host and being having a home region is such a huge advantage because we saw in that West Virginia series how good they are at home. Now you could come back with the Oklahoma series and say, well, they got swept at home. But either way, you are home. That is an advantage. Being home, already being used to your routine, sleeping in your own bed at night, I think that's very helpful for this Texas team and. I just feel like they really dropped the ball by losing those two games. Now, of course, to even host, they maybe they would have had to win the entire Big 12 tournament. And considering how good TCU has looked, maybe that wasn't feasible. But either way, I think Texas missed a huge opportunity not being able to host. And I just don't trust the pitching. And, of course, I don't know what happened with the bats in Arlington, but maybe that's just a thing where it's just those two games. They weren't locked in, and they maybe they can refocus and, and regroup. 
Injuries. Yeah, now the injuries are coming are coming back. I think a little bit of time off will help with that. But, I mean, some of the the Heston toll and some of those other injuries we talked about with uh, Westcott, I mean, it's it's tough, but you got you got to make it work at this point in the season. You have no other option. You still have an opportunity to host a Super Regional if things fall in your favor. You could be playing A&M, A&M at home in Super Regional, which would be awesome. Um, I do agree. I think we have one of the biggest home field advantages in college baseball. Uh, they've got people at the dish are awesome, but um, I think I think we make it out. I, Miami's hot right now. Would they, they did they beat Clemson in the ACC championship? Um, I think so. Yeah, you know, I I try to keep up with those those other games as much as I can, but you know, look out for these other two. Louisiana and Maine aren't aren't two teams to mess around with either. I mean, we just coming off a loss to both the Kansas teams. How about Kansas State not making yeah. any regional in Oklahoma? Like, Miami coming out of nowhere. The- Real quick, Miami did lose to Clemson 11-5 okay. in, the, in the NCC championship. But, yeah, in, in Louisiana, their lineup scares me because a lot of power lefties. Now, Lucas Gordon, I mean, he, he's had a great year for some reason against Kansas. They just, they just twice. They have his number. I mean, that's, that's got to be so tough for a player that your two lo- one of your two losses or two of your two losses to Kansas. I mean, how many losses does he have all year? Like, Not that many. He, yeah. he was stellar all year. Ty, we have some breaking news, by the way. I think I know what this is. Yeah, it's not on the. It's not Ty tweeting that on his grave. He'll <laughs> he'll bet on the Braves. Nope. Ron Holland, uh, number two, sometimes number one ranked senior, depending on what recruiting metric you're looking at in high school, was committed to Texas. Decommitted in late April. He's coming back. No, no. he is has announced he is joining the G League Ignite team. And so, some thoughts that maybe would he end up. At Arkansas with uh, Coach Musselman, would he go somewhere else? Maybe could he end up back at Texas? Uh, no. Ron Holland has decided to uh, take that money and go ahead and sign with the G League Ignite, which um, has produced Jalen Green, Scoot Henderson. It started in 2020, so has now Jonathan Kaminga has now turned into a legitimate option for these high school kids coming out of high school. Uh, Holland told ESPN the process was not easy. At times it was scary because at times I had no idea where I would be. The G League will help me reach my potential as a basketball player and prepare me for the NBA. To have a long career, I need to prepare my body and improve my skills as I continue to try to win games. They, being the G League Ignite, have a program to help develop my body and my game. I know I have to work on being a more consistent shooter along with my footwork and ball handling so I can score in space on the perimeter against a set Defender, um, no surprise. I don't blame him. I no. mean, it's a it's a great opportunity for these young guys. If you're if you're good enough and you project to go that high in the draft like him, I mean, I'd love for him to be here. I think he would have been huge for this team next year. Him coming out of Duncanville, but you know, it is what it is. You just got to move on, get it after it in the portal. Like we were saying earlier, we don't have any freshmen coming in, so this team's going to have to be, you know, kind of yeah pasted together. But I, I I'm not. I'm not worried. I, I think we all knew this was coming for a I while. think 10 years ago, this would have been devastating news. This would have been huge news. And I mean, and I, I think some people are still preconditioned to that, thinking, okay, when you lose the number one player, but... It's not. It's less about Texas. It's so different about, now. More about him yeah. and what he wants to... Well, also, know. with the transfer portal, I mean, we've seen how RT has rebuilt this team. Chris Beer did it in the last portal last how you, season. How are you feeling? One out of ten. I right feel now good about this roster. No, I feel pretty good. Probably probably about seven or eight because we saw last year. Look, look at look at the key contributors in that in that deep run, the longest run since two thousand eight. Right, 
Marcus Carr. Where'd he come from? High school? No. Transfer portal. Serge Abari Rice. Transfer portal. Dylan the Sioux. Transfer portal. Christian Bissup. Transfer portal. Tyrese Hunter. Transfer portal. What? What? The only person who actually was recruited by Texas out of high school in state was Brock Cunningham. He's he's the only type of guy that's really played any valuable minutes, and he's the only one out not out of the portal. So I feel like now in this age, it's more beneficial as a coach to recruit through the transfer portal because you can go out and get guys who are ready, who are developed, who have played in big games, who have played in March. Ron Holland, A.J. Johnson, uh, Rowan Brumbrall, yeah, outstanding high school athletes, but even Ron Holland still would need some time to kind of develop, right? Now, I think he wanted to come in. He wanted to be the number one guy. He wanted to start. Why? You know, you, you, you can go through the transfer portal and get the next guy, right? And that's what he's done with Kendall Weaver, what he's done with Caden Shedrick, what he's done with Max Aismith. Mac Aismith is already a great scorer. Yeah. He can shoot. He, he's played in big games at Oral Roberts. Caden Shedrick, he's already played at Cameron Indoor Stadium. He's played I have in questions big... about okay. every, I mean, all those guys. I don't, I don't think any of those yeah. guys are up to a mark. When we got Marcus Carr, I mean, he, he was already a national like, player of the year contender at Minnesota. And you know, what he scored twenty something points a game. And mm-hmm. I, I mean, Max Asmus, yeah, he he can score. He's done it at Oral Roberts. He's done it in the tournament two years ago. But is it really? I, I, it's not. It doesn't feel the same for me. I'm not. I'm not going to say. I don't think. I think this team's going to be bad. But I think it's going to take a little bit longer for this team to gel next year. I, I think it, it middle of the pack in the Big Twelve would probably be a good expectation to have, especially with the additions in Houston. Um, BYU and those other teams, Cincinnati. I think Kansas will will be the favorite, but I think what Kansas favorite every year. Yeah, <laughs> well, especially after what, what they've been able to add with Hunter Dickinson, but Artario Morris and and Morris. But I mean, I'm I I was really looking forward to seeing him play next year. I I thought he would take a huge step, and I think he will at Kansas for sure. Well, I think with Hunter coming back, and we're still waiting, Dylan Mitchell. I believe today is the deadline to withdraw your name from the NBA draft, and I have not seen anything official yet from Dylan Mitchell. I think the expectation is that he will be entering. Is that really just because he a video came out of him just hitting like six threes in a row at the combine? Yeah, it helps yourself. But that's one, I that's was, one It wasn't practice. a video, but it was the I combine. I saw the video, though. Yeah, well, that, that went viral. But I think I think his name was rising up the draft boards already at the combine. But that's when still, what, out. how many days is the combine? That's three or four days yeah. of practicing? Hey, that's screwed. all it takes, man. That's all, I, that's all it takes. watching him for an entire year have be extremely lim- limited offensively? Dude, Zach Wilson made one throw to a receiver who was unguarded in their draft day at BYU in – that was enough for the New York Jets to say. That's the Jets. That's the guy. <laughs> I mean, yeah. And okay, it, and there's a team out there. But he still he still led BYU that year, and they were very sure. That was the year sure. BYU yeah, was like sure. undefeated till late in the year. I'm pretty sure. And well, uh, when, Dylan when, Mitchell, when, he was the fifth or sixth option on on Texas last year. I mean, showed a lot of potential athletically. He can dunk. He can rise up, like we saw seen from a lot of guys, big men in Texas in the past ten years. It feels like that. Teams will be drafting Mitchell on his potential. Do you agree with Westcott that he'll go back into the first, early second? Yeah, I think so, too. I think that's where he's right now being projected, and I think he will. I mean, if he has the ability to shoot, like we saw in the combine, if he can be a you know 38%, 40% no shooter way, from three-point line, I think te- teams will love that. There's but, no way. Yeah, we, we, we did not see that you can't, at Texas. You can't not, did he attempt a three-point shot all year? I don't year? think so. I don't think so. But, I mean, of course, that, I mean, that dude, was I'm, just Rodney Terry's offense, right? 
Maybe, they, maybe they told him not to, but I, I think if he had any stroke whatsoever from three-point range, it, it would have been shown at least a little bit last year. I mean, we saw when Miles Turner was here, we saw him. I mean, he shot probably, what, like 24% from three, but yeah. he let at least three of those bad boys go a game. Yeah. You know, he was trying, and now he well, does. Well, same with Obama, too. Yeah, and neither of those guys really shoot in the well, NBA. Turner, well, Turner's turned into a, a great offensive player. Oh, he is. And, and Bamba, he just, who knows with him, he's had a lot of injuries this past season. Jared, I think, Jared Allen used to shoot threes when he was here. Yeah. And he's, <laughs> and he's well, he's, Jared Allen is a great defensive player. No, though. he's a block to block. Yes. At center in the NBA. Yes. For, for Mitchell, I think his hope is he, he can become an outside shooter type, but. I think Texas will be okay with him not coming no, back. No, it's fine. With, with nope. Shedrick coming back, with Shedrick coming in from Virginia, that'll play big minutes. I, I think t- I, I feel good about the Texas roster. Uh, Matt Daly, I just said on Spec Tech Slam five one two three three seven three seven seven six. I want to know why it's okay for Texas to be in the middle of the pack after giving Terry a five million dollar year contract. This seems like a mistake. I don't. I don't think Texas will be in the middle of the pack, but but you do. I think that should be the expectation going in. I think we should be careful about thinking this team is going to go. Uh, this this or... is Texas, baby. This oh, is I, Texas. Trust me, I feel that way about Texas football every year. We should go undefeated every year. We should win a national championship. That's the expectation here. But, you know, we're coming off in a very emotional year. You're seeing a lot of roster turnover. I just don't see how you can project this team higher than a four or five in the Big 12. I, I think they'd still make the tournament. I, th- I mean, uh, with that record, whether it is you know twenty to twenty five wins, yeah. Well, even if you're top three or four in the Big Twelve, it's arguably one of the best basketball. Oh, and next year it's going to be so, even better with Houston. Yeah, who might be? I mean, they're losing. Is Marcus Sasser going to the? I NBA? think yeah, he's gone. Okay. Yeah, and, I'm sure they reloaded though. And Samson's been interviewing for some NBA coaching gigs, so we'll see if that's there any smoke to that. But I, I still, I still believe this Texas team will be top three in the Big Twelve. I think. RT's been able to retool because you have Hunter coming back. And I'm I'm interested to see how Hunter looks without Marcus Carr because it felt like at times last year they, they weren't really sure how to mingle. I don't, I don't think he got along with some of the other guards. On the court, yeah, on the court. I, he had good moments and he had bad moments. So I'm, I'm interested to see. Aikesmith, you know, he, he, was, he was a high usage player at Oral Roberts, but I think that's more of what their roster type, and he kind of had to be that guy. He's, he a, he's a great – he is a great spot up shooter. Yeah, and I, which I think, we haven't seen here. You know, I mean, last year was the first it's year been in since, a I don't very know, AJ long Abrams. time where I felt confident with, uh, you know, Jabari Rice, whether it was him shooting the three or Marcus Carr, where I was like, you know, we had legitimate three point threats. But it's, with it's been a while, and with Aikesmith, like he's a great spot up shooter, but he has been a guy who's run the offense. The offense has run through him. He he can. He can create shots on his own. He's not. A, he's not just a sit in the corner type guy. And Oral Roberts, do you he think was. He'll a, play that way at Texas. I don't know. I'm. I'm curious to see what RT does. I think it'll be the same type of offense what it was last year with Carr and Hunter, kind of you know trading off uh, ball duties. I think we'll see the same. I think I would be surprised if Hunter's a starter at point guard, Aikesmith, you know, kind of as the shooting guard. But I, I'm curious to see how how they mingle next season. But I I disagree with you on the middle of the pack. I think this is, this should be a top three team. But okay. I think I could see that I could see that easily. Do you think that Terry, if so, say this next season Terry won and done the tournament, you, you think that's enough for Texas to move on from, or no. do you think he's the he's no. the guy? If he misses the tournament, that's that's one thing. Yeah, that, like I I still don't think they would fire him even if he did miss the tournament. But that would definitely raise some eyebrows and heat up that seat going into the next year. 
I think one and done. I mean, at this point, last year, the last two years of the first years and how long that we actually won a game in the tournament. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, expectations can't flip that quick, but it's hard not to coming off that Elite Eight appearance last year. And really, you should have been in the Final Four. If you can win in March, then you'll keep your job. Uh, one specs text line coming in, at least he's not going to Kansas. I think that's in regards to Ron Holland. Yeah. I think if, if Texas lost Ron Holland to Kansas, then then we'd be overreacting. Then I would start. I mean, this is in no way Rodney Terry's fault that he is going to the G League. And let no, there, there's if a reason. If he would have been going to a different college, maybe maybe there was a little bit of, little bit of something there, a little bit of smoke with that fire. Well, as we get into this, this new NIL age where it's like how, how much is it worth to pay these players, I think why Arkansas was high up there was because they were willing to you know maybe offer – a lot more money because then we then Texas possibly that maybe that should never maybe happen. make any more promises. But how how can you justify paying six figures to a kid who's going to be here for one year? Like does Ron Holland make this team a national championship contender? Maybe we've seen a freshman uh, dude in the past. I feel like there's it's more beneficial to grab players from the portal than it is to recruit these five star guys out of college. Well, you know what you're getting. But look at look at Kentucky, right? They've John Calipari is one of the best recruiters in possibly history. They have not really done anything in the tournament since what, twenty fifteen? When they they won it as an eight seed that one year, right? Or they went? Yeah, they lost to UConn final four, I believe. Mm. Yeah, no, that and, I he, mean, and he's he's exclusively was... recruited from high school. He's kind of started to switch it up a little bit though. He, well, he's had to because Kentucky basketball is you know they're ready to fire him. Now, well, college basketball as a whole has become more about experience and, and that's, that's why, strength. And that's obviously freshmen don't have experience, but a lot of times they're smaller, um, you know, more wild handling the ball. It's, it, the, the game is completely changing. That's why I, I would rather spend more NIL money on guys like Caleb Love or Hunter Dickinson than these five-star guys like A.J. Johnson and Ron Holland. And it's nothing against them. It's just you know what you're going to get out of these guys versus these freshmen coming in. They're going to play for one year. And that's it. I mean, Marcus Carr, two years at Texas, right? Two in, in without without Marcus Carr, Texas, you know, does not beat Virginia Tech two years ago in the tournament, right? And does not, you know, win the Big Twelve Conference tournament without Marcus Carr. Now, if they went out and got a five star kid at point guard, would they do that? Probably not. I, I just want. I, I'm just. I think it's. I I don't like the way college basketball is right now, but I think the way to attack it is to you build through the portal versus you build through recruiting. Well, it's the same like it's compared to the NBA. It's it's like if doing it for, through free agency or doing it through the draft cuz the draft you can you have the potential to get somebody that could is Yeah, sure. franchise changing and that's the same as recruiting. But in the free agency you kind of know what you're getting. You might not know how they fit with your team, but you know what that that player's limitations and what they're you know if they've reached their potential you you kind of already know that a few years in the college so I, I think a mixture of both is definitely the way to go but the transfer portals is huge it, and it's it's changing the game like I've said let us know your fo- thoughts on the specs text line five one two three three seven three seven seven six back to the uh, Kentucky regional dorm room disaster one texture said how did the NCAA not factor this in they did. They they looked into it or quote unquote looked into it whatever they saw and I I just feel like the NCAA just doesn't care at this point yeah, because so good luck. in good a few out. years hopefully the NCAA does not exist. I think it will exist for these sports. I think football, football and basketball, different governing bodies. 
I don't even think – I think just football. Just football? I mean, none of the other sports – the NCAA makes all of their money off basketball. Yeah. No tournament. Like, Final, they, yeah, well, they're the not, they're going to do whatever four. they can not to let that go. I, I, but these big teams in football, they just have – they have a lot of money in themselves. And it's – you know, if they end up going to the three big conferences and you got 40, 50 teams that you can bring together and do your own thing without the NCAA, I think that's, that's more likely in the next 10 years. And one texture – Huge sigh. It's not Arkansas <laughs> for the Kentucky dorm room disaster. Uh, not a doubt. Not a doubt. Hour two, going to continue the roll on. We got a Longhorn notebook coming up. SCC meetings underway. Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher, Lane Kiffin. Oh, yeah. They had some comments. Also, a Flex ATX update. Uh, some Sentex baseball teams continuing to make waves in the high school baseball tournament where they're playing. This weekend, that's more as hour number two on the horn of light to tower rolls on. Hour two of Light the Tower rolls on on this Wednesday afternoon. Hope it's going well for you. A few things going on in the sports world. Last day to take your name out of the NBA draft. So it still lies on Dylan Mitchell. There has has been confirmed, well not confirmed, but he has been in talks with Texas staff, but no decision yet has been made. We do know Ron Holland's decision. No surprise. He is signing with the G League Ignite team. And of course, Tyrese Hunter will be coming back. Dylan the Sioux will be coming back. And then a few other names coming to Texas out of the transfer portal. Flex ATX, we're going to have an update for you here in, in just a second. But, uh, Ty, first, we got some SEC news out of Destin, Florida here in hour number two's Longhorn Notebook. Longhorn Notebook. So, SEC meetings underway in Destin, Florida. Uh, Texas, Oklahoma are there, but no votes. And, Ty, a lot of discussion has been talked about whether or not we're going to have an eight-game, a a nine-game schedule. Nothing has been voted on. Probably won't have any votes this week. But Commissioner of the SEC, Greg Sankey, he's been, he's been pretty quiet about it. But the meetings yesterday, and this is reported by uh, Brandon Marcella on Horns 247. Check out Horns 247. Sports.com for your latest on the Texas Longhorns. But it appears that Sankey has hinted at a nine-game model going forward with Texas and Oklahoma joining the conference tie. Um, Sankey said the league at the forefront of college athletics does not stand still, and this league is at the forefront of college athletics. Now, so the eight-game format, basically the eight-game and nine-game format would eliminate the two-division system in the SEC. So the SEC East, the West, obviously gone. That's no matter what, whether it's an eight-game or a nine-game format. So the eight-game format would be you have one permanent rival every year. So for Texas, probably is going to be Oklahoma. And then you would have seven rotating opponents. In the nine-game format is you have three. Three permanent opponents with six rotating opponents. So the nine-game format, which appears that Greg Sankey is leaning towards, um, there's not been a vote. Now, it's got to be the nine game. 
Just because of the permanent opponents, right? It will, it's up to the commissioners or the ADs to decide this. Now, it seems that the conference is basically split in, in opinion. Now, Sankey does believe that they are poised to have a vote this week, but he said that last year I said the same thing in the SEC meetings and that didn't happen. So now there still is another year before Texas, Oklahoma yeah, it, it doesn't matter comes for in. next year, right? Because, I mean, they, this wouldn't go into effect for this season, obviously, because the schedule's already done and released, right? Sources telling 247 Sports that as the conference enters round two of these discussions this week, at least five schools are siding with the eight-game model and three others on the fence. So while it does appear that Sankey is leaning towards um, nine games, now some schools believe a nine-game conference game would lead to fewer bowl-eligible teams. Sankey does argue that more games provide a more equitable schedule and data shows only a marginal change in bowl-eligible terms. So for the eight-game model, teams are leaning towards it because they think that more games, you, you would lose Less a chance of, yeah, uh, of making a bowl game versus the – or more, oh, more likelihood, excuse me. There's more likelihood of making a bowl game eight teams, eight conference teams versus nine. I thought it was because the deal with ESPN, the SEC's TV contract, doesn't in, like include that extra game, so they'd still be getting paid the same amount. That could be playing true. Playing an extra game. That could be true because ESPN did just spend a lot of money on uh, Pat that McAfee. There's, I, I read somewhere, or Aaron said it on Bucky and Aaron. I think it's like twenty. If that extra game, ninth game is played, that could be an extra like twenty five million dollars per school. Well, the assumption is that the SEC figures to earn more cash from a media partner from ESPN should it go to a nine game schedule, but ESPN has not communicated how much more money it is willing to pay for the additional inventory. Now, that's because, remember, ESPN and Disney just laid off a ton of employees to make way for the big signing of Pat McAfee, who I believe got $85 million, $85 million over five years. Mm-hmm. So a little bit of – he took a pay cut from the $30 million a year contract he had with FanDuel. But ESPN is pushing towards these large media head types, the McAfee's, the Stephen A. Smith's, the, you know, who, 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 who Mike, Mike Greenberg, right, versus the quality – of production, and I think that as <laughs> you're not you know, a fan of those guys, Cam. Uh, I like McAfee. I, I like Green, I like McAfee too. But it, they're going away from. I mean, now in this area, I think people in this um, era, excuse me, it's more about who you have versus. It used to be right. ESPN had tons of anchors, right? Tons of anchors. Now it's just let let's let's retain a few big ones, right? Scott Van Pelt, SVP, that Greenberg, those guys, and basically just have them do everything. It's, I think McAfee is signed on. He's going to be doing college game day. He'll have his own show every every day. McAfee's going to be making a lot of appearances, probably on Get Up, probably on First Take. So instead of just having a, a, a lot of surplus of talent, their their business model, it appears right now, is to just pay a lot of money for big name types like Joe Buck, like Troy Aikman, like McAfee. Stephen A. Smith Stephen does a. Smith. everything. He does but everything. This him. is maybe affecting... The SEC scheduling, right? Uh, sources tell 247 Sports in recent months ESPN has undergone massive layoffs, cutbacks as the media companies face financial scrutiny and streamers hemorrhage money. Whether the SEC's membership can vote without clarity on financial figures is a concern shared among athletic directors and presidents in the SEC. Meanwhile, Sankey has cautioned against hesitance. ESPN becomes the SEC's exclusive broadcast partner in 2024 after signing a deal that pays the conference more than $3 billion for a package of its most-watched games. 
ESPN and the SEC entered a massive 20-year agreement back in 2013 with the creation of the SEC Network. So basically the concern about this tie is, if you go to nine games, will ESPN afford it? Can they afford it? Are they willing to make the, pay the money for it? And if you go the nine games, will it hurt teams from being bowl eligible? If you if you play an extra SEC game or you do the eight-game comp, eight-game schedule and you just play an extra game against maybe a lower group of five FBS opponent. I mean, if you're if you're counting on that game against Samford or Alcorn State to make a bowl game every year, I, I don't think that should well, really I mean, come it's, into it's, consideration. It's um, bigger for, like, you know, if you're Mississippi State or Ole Miss, it's like, hey, can we play, you know, can we play Alcorn State? It's or gotta, can we, or do we have to play Texas, Texas or Oklahoma? Yeah, it's about the money. I, I it's got to be. If if the ESPN's not willing to pay for that extra game, whatever it is, I think it was like eighty extra million dollars on top of that deal, then it's not going to happen. But if they are, I guarantee it will happen starting in twenty twenty four. So eight game Texas, or nine game vote? What, what would you vote for? I'd vote for nine, just because yeah. the the permanent opponents is the most important thing to me. I I would hate to join the SEC and only play A and M at home once every four years, which is what it would be if that that with that rotating schedule. Every, you'd play them every other year, home and away. I, I would enjoy having the three conference opponents every year, you know, being Oklahoma, A&M, and Arkansas. That's, what it, that's probably what it would be, right? Naturally. That would be the natural fit for, for Texas, at least. I believe Jimbo Fisher yesterday was asked, I think it was by Kirk Bowles of the no, Austin no, American I don't care State. about Texas. Yeah, like, well, no, he was asked if you could have you know one choice as your permanent opponent. He did say Texas. The first name comes to mind is Texas. Now, and this is where Aggie fans, you know, make it hurt. But if Texas fans had their choice, I'm sorry, it's Oklahoma. I'd play. I'd want to play A&M more right over now. Oklahoma. Yeah. So if you have one permanent opponent every year, you would choose A&M over the Red River Showdown. Yeah. Right now. Yes. Wow. I I'm, I think Oklahoma is a bigger rival. That game means more just because Oklahoma has the history and they've actually won before. I have respect for Oklahoma. I just want to put the Aggies in the dirt a few more times. You know, it's it's all this talk for the past what ten plus years, yeah, or about ten years now. I, it's 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 boiling over. I just want to play them in football, and I want to play them every year. Specs text line. Let us know five one two three three seven three seven seven six. One permanent opponent, Oklahoma or A and M. Maybe someone else. Let us know your thoughts. Um, other updates from the SEC uh, media days um, also being reported on two four seven sports dot com. Texas, Oklahoma expected to renew contract with the State Fair of Texas for the Red River Showdown. The contract does expire in 2020, 2025, excuse me, but, but Joe only told Holmes 247 that the plan is to renew the deal at the Cotton Bowl, but with some improvements to fan anemones moving forward. We'll probably start having some conversations with the State Fair of Texas pretty soon. Details, um, extensive details were not driven into by Castiglione, but we understand that playing the game at the stadium with, with as much history as the Cotton Bowl is important, but there are certain limitations with regard to fan convenience to Oklahoma AD said, but we always want to try to make it a uh, best experience possible for the fans. Now remember in 20, 2008, uh, they, they added about 30,000 seats to the Cotton Bowl. It went from 68,000 to $92,000 or 92,000 uh, capacity, excuse me. Uh, concessions were updated a little bit more fan improvements were made with the bathrooms, which is always an ongoing issue. Um, currently, UT and Oklahoma receive about $500,000 from the State Fair of Texas, plus uh, a cut of ticket sales 
for playing the annual showdown in the Cotton Bowl. Now, for a ticket or for home games, Texas Oklahoma usually make about four or five million dollars per game. So it, it's quite a uh, a pay cut to play at the Cotton Bowl, but. Uh, both ads agree that there's nothing like playing at the Cotton Bowl, and they they could never move that game, and they're never going to move it. I mean, that's been discussed. But that would be the where they go, right, Jerry World? Probably. Think how different that game would be there. I've watched Texas OU play in a Big Twelve championship game there, and it just it's not the same. You know, yeah. I, I don't like watching college football at, at professional stadiums. It's that's not what it's meant for. College football is meant for the bleacher seats there, the the trough in the bathroom. You don't go there for the amenities. You go there to you know cheer for your team. So I hope they. I hope it stays at the Cotton Bowl forever. Now here's a one little nugget. Officials told Holmes True Four Seven in the here in Destin that the current A and M Arkansas series, which is played at Jerry World, at Jerry World, is going to come to an end in a couple of years. So there's a chance that there is an opening at Jerry World. But I'm with you, Ty. I, I think you, you can't. You can't move it from the Cotton Bowl. Even, no, it's even, part of the, the fair is part of it. It's part of it. Even with the crappy bathrooms and the crappy concession lines, it's all. I think it's all part of the experience, right? Definitely. I mean, waking up at seven a.m., walking to the stadium, stopping at that McDonald's in South Dallas, getting a sausage biscuit, and then getting a wax cup beer, like as a, as the morning dew is still on on the grass. It's it's all part of what makes that game amazing, and it, it's that's. I can't see a world where it's not played there. I was at the 2018 Big 12 Conference Tournament or Conference Championship at Jerry World, Texas Same. OU. Yeah. The environment was completely different. I know. That's I, what I was saying. Like yeah, it, did not like it. It sucked. I mean, I, I sat in a box, which I never want to do for a Texas game ever again because it, it messes with your ability to actually focus on the game, in my opinion, and your people talking and eating food all around you the entire time. I'd rather sit in the nosebleeds and actually watch the game. Uh, text coming in about the permanent opponent. Uh, Ty said he would rather – play A&M every year versus Oklahoma. Uh, one text coming in said, OU, not even debatable. No, a lot. I mean, I understand why. I, I think OU over time, obviously, is our biggest rival, but it's just the time in between not playing A&M has really gotten to me. And I if, I if I had to pick one right now, if it could change eventually, sure. But if I had to play one team every year for the next 10 years, I'd pick A&M. Tom McKay says, how about a team that matters, Bama or Georgia? would get better ratings. Georgia and Texas would be the very similar fan bases. You know, Athens is, you know, kind of like a little Austin. I think that would be a, a cool rivalry to develop. It would. We're supposed to play them coming up here in a few years anyways before we – Yeah. Well, I think Georgia would take Florida as their permanent opponent. Uh-huh. Or Tennessee. And I would think Bama would take LSU. Uh, Bizarro Del Dudley says whooping the Aggies every year would be fun, but I think OU is a better fit. Plus, we need to keep them around because you can't – spell. Ah. I can't say that on the air, but uh, I, I, under, <laughs> I understand that. Uh, one text says, to say that Texas is truly alive while in Texas, I know you play the Cotton Bowl. My family has gone every year since I was born. It's all about the cup beer and corn dogs. Hell yeah. Wax cups and corn dogs. That's the best celebration. And in the bathroom lines. Right yeah. Oh, I felt I was in a porta potty outside the stadium this year and rolled my ankle and my <laughs> flip flop broke and I was walking around bloodied. In the stadium with my blue Sam Ellinger jersey. It was, a, it was a sight to see. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I always thought A&M was our biggest rival, says one text, but I'd rather play OU every year. Yeah, I think I have more detests for A&M, but I still think with, with the, tradition, the tradition excuse me, of Oklahoma, I, I think you can't get rid of it now. I, I agree with that completely. I'm just saying, you know, this is my personal 
Give me ten. Give me a And M for ten years if you have to. If yeah. you have to give me one game. I mean, what what would it mean? Would that mean we never play OU or we play them every other year, like we discussed earlier with the? Vote? It would be the rotating opponents, the six rotating yeah, opponents, I believe. I don't see a world where we're not playing A and M and uh, Oklahoma every year. It's OU for permanent opponent beating Sooners is a high quality win. Yeah, and there's also the argument that Oklahoma is always going to be a little bit rated higher. They are. The Aggies. They have a history. They've won. That, stuff. That's the fact. <laughs> like, it's it's a more competitive rivalry than than what we have with A and M in the past. All right, let's get some flex ATX up in here. Flex ATX for the best high school sports coverage. Listen to the horn and go to flxatx.com. Flex thirty is brought to you by Brain Vault. Brain Vault is a revolutionary and patented mouth guard that has been proven to help reduce the risk of concussion. Visit brainvault.com and join the movement. High school baseball playoffs rolls on. We just wrapped up the regional semifinals. Now the regional finals in tie your alma mater. The Westlake Shaft. The best lake. Keep on rolling. Took out your Round Rock Dragons. Beat Eagle Pass this weekend. I was at the game on Thursday. Good stuff. I mean, that was my first Westlake baseball game I've been to this year. They got some dudes. Will Magnus and Texas Tech commit now in the outfield. That dude looks like he should be playing college baseball today. Uh, Evan Longoria, the catcher, had two Ben great- Longoria. Evan Longoria played for the Tampa Bay Rays. Oh, Ben. I'm friends with his brother, Christian. I should know this. Uh, but Ben Longoria, catcher for the, the Shafts. Yeah. He had two great uh, defensive plays in one inning that, that I noticed had a double. Uh, started off the scoring. So I, I'm excited. San Antonio Johnson, you said, right? Yeah. Game one Thursday at... At Johnson or is that Westlake? Leave at Westlake. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'm excited. So yeah, Westlake make it out to one of those games. Yeah, Westlake sweep, sweeping Eagle Pass. They won seven two game one, uh, beat Eagle Pass four nothing at home. You were there for that game tie. So they'll face now San Antonio Johnson, who is ranked, I believe, number six in the state. Uh, Johnson, they beat Lake Travis two weeks ago. And finding out the, the last two series, they've lost game one and then have won games two and three to advance. So after losing to uh, Far San Juan Academy, a really great baseball program down in the valley. They lost 5-4 first game, won 4-2 game two, then won 8-5 game three. So now Westlake and Johnson will play each other's game one tomorrow, 7 p.m. first pitch. Game two, Northeast Sports Park at 7 p.m. And then game three Saturday, if needed, 2 p.m. That was originally at Texas State at the Bobcat Ballpark. That's now going to be moved to San Marcos. St. Marcus, excuse me, uh, high school. That'll be a 2 p.m. 2 p.m. first pitch if needed. Go Shaps. Now 5A, the Rouse Raiders. They keep on rolling. Um, a big weekend for them. They were able to advance, uh, beat La Jolla Palmview in two games, 4-2 in game one, 3-2 in game two to advance. They're the only remaining 5A Centex team. So now they'll face Bernie Champion. In the regional finals. Game one tomorrow at Concordia University, 7 o'clock first pitch. Game two at Wolf Stadium, that's going to be a 7 o'clock first pitch. And then game three, if needed, on Saturday, that'll be a 2 p.m. first pitch. The Rouse Raiders, keep an eye out for them. And the 4A, the Taylor Ducks. We've got some Taylor Duck listeners coming in. Don't forget about them. The Ducks, number 10 in the state. Uh, they're taking on China Spring. Uh, game one tonight, 7 o'clock at Baylor up in Waco. Game two tomorrow at 4.30 in Baylor. And then game three, if needed, will be twenty. Sorry, 30 minutes after game two tomorrow. So that's up in Waco. Check it out. Um, and they, if they win, a possibility 
they can face the number one ranked team in 4A. That's Sinton, who uh, pulled off uh, a three-game victory over Davenport after losing the first game 1-0. They came back and won games 2 in 3. So 5A, in the 6A, you still have some of the, the top teams still um, still alive. Uh, Cy Woods, Hareland, Katie, uh, Johnson, Westlake, two top 10 teams. But 5A... It's pretty open. I believe Magnolia West is the only remaining ranked team out of the top 10, the coaches poll, that is still alive. Taylor and sitting, of course, two of the top 10 teams that are still playing. So a little bit open in 5A. I think anyone can come out of there. In 6A, you still have Perlin, who's ranked number one. You still have Westlake, who's number three. Due to John, San Antonio Johnson, excuse me, who is number number six, I believe. So 6A, uh, the heavyweights keep on rolling. 5A, a little bit more open in 4A as well. But... Uh, should be exciting so check it out and that's your flex atx update and of course a real quick note the flex atx show tonight seven o'clock on the horn zach lucero and known hogan who y'all uh, got interview wise starting off with uh new lbj head football coach joseph rawls of course stepping in for nice. coach fender he'll be on at 705 710 and the in studio will be the Vandergrift voice, Miles Coleman and Alex Foster in studio. So make sure you tune in on the Horn 104.9 or AM 1260. That'll be 7 o'clock to 8 o'clock. And if you miss it, check it out on the Flex ATX. Light the Tower with Craig Way and Jeff Howe. Wrapping up today's edition of Light the Tower here on the Horn. I'm glad you guys can make it out. Cameron Parker, Ty Henderson filling in for Craig Way, who is still, I believe, in the air on the way to Coral Gables, Florida for the regional not Texas. Nice. They're not a bad place to be headed. No, you been to South Beach? I have not. You have not? Okay. I'm guessing you have. Yeah. It's, uh, it's think, fun. You it, think Craig's going to hit the beach? Uh, there's been texts coming in like, you know, will Craig be in a Speedo? And, I, you know, I wasn't there when he packed, but I cannot confirm or <laughs> deny maybe Craig Way in a Speedo this weekend. I don't know. Probably will be a little bit too busy, though, with Texas baseball, and I think a lot of the fans, listeners, hope that they'll be there till at least Sunday, maybe Monday. So probably not some beach time, but um, if I was out there, man, I, I would definitely take a trip out to the South Beach for sure. You gone on vacation there? I have, yeah. The little boys trip cool. last year. I've done a, I've done a lot of Florida. I've just never done Miami. Yeah, what part of Florida? Uh, my fam, my so part of my family is from Tampa Bay, the Bay Area. Okay. So I've, around there, uh, Boca Grande, Destin, you know the Panhandle places, you know, Rosemary Beach, stuff like that. And, now, or, and Orlando. I've been yeah. to Orlando. I've been to Disney, Disney is, World. Is that Disney World? Yeah, and Universal Studios. Universal Studios is yeah, nice, really cool. Yeah, yeah. I've been to Disneyland, Disney World, whatever it's called. Have not been to. Universal, I believe Jeff Howe has. He'll he's out of town. He's out with a doctor's appointment. I believe Jeff Howe will be back tomorrow. Craig Way should be back. Uh, still getting the details on that, but we'll have a a, a full show for you tomorrow. Um, Ty Henderson, thanks for stopping by. What's on deck for you outside of B and E? New episode of the Lone Star Lowdown all tomorrow, right. and the Abnormally Average podcast as well. So all be right, on the look out for that on all platforms. And, of course, you can hear him on the producer of Mornings with Bucky and Aaron. I'm Cameron Parker, the producer of Light the Tower, filling in today. Thanks for stopping by. 
Hope you're having a great Wednesday afternoon. Coming up next will be Chad in Say. Have a great day. Cheers, y'all.